so I saw this pastor one time on TikTok and he does this huge caveat before talking about homosexuality. So he goes, now I just want to say before I begin my message, da, 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 I love everyone. I have literally f- spent five minutes talking about nothing but the setup and basically please don't hate me. I, this isn't me talking. This is the Bible talking. And then says homosexuality is a sin. But then like for the next five minutes, he just threw that in there. And then the next five minutes loosely went around that comment and tried to like make everyone like him again. As if, as if, oh my gosh, I'm worried I've offended you. Here's the truth. The Bible offends you. You know why? Because we suck. (laughs) We're not good people and we do bad things. And the beauty of having a father that knows you is that he will call out, he will call out truth. He will call out sin. He will call out where you need to be challenged and he will call out some things that make you uncomfortable. But that's the beauty of a relationship. Could you imagine if I parented my daughter and just like, never the truth, just like whatever she did. I just was like, that's great. Do whatever you want, honey, forever. Yeah. I can't worship a God like that. I can't be in a relationship like that because if I think I'm perfect and I can do no wrong, then what's, then I am God. There's no point in worshiping anything else or anyone else. It's just fascinating to me that we dance around something because of culture When as the church, our job is to bring truth. Now, that truth doesn't come without grace. But what's fascinating is when we talk about other sins, we don't spend five, we don't have a five minute caveat about don't hate me before speaking truth. Like truth is truth, just speak it. And there's this great quote by Robert Madu that I love that says, grace without truth is meaningless and truth without grace is just mean but truth with grace is medicine. And that's it. When truth and grace are together, that's Jesus. That's the gospel. And that's what's so beautiful. This is Hope After Hurt, a Yes podcast. We talk about church hurt, stories of disappointment, and the future of community. With the goal of healing from past pains, inspiring hope for the future, and building a better leader for generations to come. Join this community created for healing, hope, and heroes. Now your host, a pastor's kid who has served everywhere from startups to some of the largest churches in the world, Drew Barker. Let's go. It's the Yes Podcast where we're saying yes to what God has next. And we are in season two. Here it is. We did it, Joe. Season two. Season one was so much fun. Yeah, And uh, thank you to all the listeners out there who shared this, who engaged with us on social media, who wrote reviews like you really helped get the word out. And now here we are on season two. And what better way to kick it off than a little Q&A? Yeah. And uh, we posted on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram a few weeks ago and just said, hey, if you've got questions, let us know. And man, we got some good ones. <laughs> and so it's been, it's been really good to connect with everyone. So thank you for those that submitted questions. We're going to try to get to as many as we can. Full disclosure, there's no way we could do all of them, but I tried to group some together like we've done in the past. I'm also really excited about not just this episode, but the next one we're going to be doing. So the next episode, we're going to be interviewing 
an organizational psychologist who focuses on churches specifically and how we can create like a great culture. And so if you're in a church, like how do you know if it's a good culture? How do you not know? (laughs) And what are some signs? And then if you're leading, how to create that. But then also if you're like trying to get hired, what are some red flags that you need to be aware of? So really excited about that conversation. But today, Q&A, and let's start with this one because it goes right along with Hope After Hurt here. It says, what's the difference between church hurt and having your preferences pushed? So what's the difference between church hurt and having your preferences pushed? And I don't know about you, but my immediate thought when I hear preferences pushed is just you being uncomfortable. Yeah. Things that come to my mind, maybe the person was saying preferences pushed like not my style of music. Sure. I wish that they would, I don't know, not greet people that way. Sure. Like basically I wish they would do something the way I would want it done. Or maybe you're in that narrative of that's not how we used to do it. That that quote that I love so much. This is the way we've always done it. It's cool. It's been 20 years. Might want to shift. But when we're uncomfortable, like we just, like in anything, we don't like that. The idea of getting your preferences pushed feels like, I don't like the way the traditions of this particular church, denomination, group of people, et cetera. And uh, yeah, I don't put that in the same category as what we talk about most of the time on here, which is church hurt to me is like, you were wronged by someone in the organization or a policy or something in the organization. And that has caused you pain. Sure. And the idea of whether or not you even want to be part of that organization anymore. And I think that's different than, I'm just not offended when I go to church and they play a song I don't like. Sure. Whether I like it or know it or not, it's, I'm not offended by it. <laughs> yeah. It's like the majority of the songs. Like we're in the super rut right now. We're like, hey, here's a good phrase. Let's say that 480 times. Oh my times. goodness. Yeah. How many times can we do a bridge <laughs> and then at one chorus and then go back to that same bridge? Wait, hold on though. What if I pop that bridge up a key? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Now we're going to get to that. Which is such a cyclical thing because that used to be the thing is like changing keys and now we're coming back to it. But you're right. I think church hurt is very much being hurt by somebody in the organization. And I think there's like a lack of closure sometimes that comes with that. Yeah. So if my preferences are pushed, it should be simple for me to get some closure on it and gain clarity in it. A lot of things... Yeah, it'd be like, I wish we did it this way. And they would be like, we're not gonna though. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. And those are usually things that you can have a conversation about. Like if somebody should do it that way, maybe it's an oversight. Sure. Right. Totally. So you're working together to figure that out. I think when we get to being church hurt, what seems to be a common theme is not just the hurt, but the lack of closure because something happened and now you can't get over it. You can't move past it. And the reason it takes so long and the reason that it's still hurting weeks, months, maybe even years later is because you can't have a conversation with somebody about it or you can't go find the right person in the ranking to tell them about it or someone doesn't believe you. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a really challenging place to be. We saw, yeah. I don't know if I think you, church hurt is more like somebody's been made a victim. There you go. And uh, preferences, it's not really, you've been made a victim. You just, I don't like that. I don't like it. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great way to put it. There was that story of the pastor, was it in Illinois or Indiana? I can't remember. It's been been over a month now, but 
this pastor got up in front of his congregation and admitted to adultery and made it sound like a one-time instance. And then the girl that he did that with got on stage with a microphone and was like, if you love me, you'll listen and talked about how he had been essentially grooming her and having sex with her since she was 16. That's a victim. Yeah. That's absolutely a victim. That's church hurt. That's not preferences pushed at that point. So I think there's gotta be this clear distinction. And for her, think about how long it took to bring closure to that. She was 30 something years old getting on stage saying this, and this had been something she's holding on to since 16. And hopefully she's got some closure. I hope so. I hope so. And I hope the cops were called. Yeah. Because the whole idea of we're a family and handling it internally doesn't suffice in this narrative. Yeah. We're not the mafia. No. We no, we're not. We don't bear our own bodies. Don't, like we don't when bury crimes things. are committed. No. Yeah. When crimes are committed, it's usually good to speak up about that <laughs> and let people know. Hopefully that brings some light to that question of hurt versus getting your preferences pushed. I think you brought up a great point in just like song selection. And that seems to be more often than not the way it's all, it revolves around Sunday mornings. People don't like the way the chairs are, or the lights are too dark, or the lights are too bright, or the song is, I don't like the song, or the music's too loud, but I like the song, or the lights are in my face. There's always these things. And those are more preferences for sure. Speaking of Sunday morning and worship, this is a really fascinating question. Have churches placed talent over character? in worship. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and this it's, is easy. Let's it's keep scary. going. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Next question, please. It, it's, and I don't want to, I don't want to make blanket statements, but when you're just asking, have churches done this? Has every church done this? No, I don't believe every church has done this. Our church is doing this 100%, but let's not just bury the question and put it all around music and worship. Yeah. We're doing this everywhere. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's always knowingly I think sometimes it's unknowingly, but does it happen? Absolutely. Is it a policy of churches that mean no? Come on. Like, it's not like this malicious screw morality. Right. This guy sings good. Yeah, I don't think there's ill will, but there's definitely a more, there's definitely more of a focus and more of a even like conversation and accountability held around the talent than there is a, a, a character. Yeah. And there's a lot of, there's a lot to be said too about humans are humans that make mistakes. So does somebody on the worship team make a mistake? Absolutely. Does that mean that they're exempt because they sing pretty from any kinds of consequences that their mistake resulted? No. No. It really depends on the level of what we're talking about here. Just let me be ridiculous for a second. It's yeah. a lot different than worship leader got ticked off and flicked off an elder in the parking lot That's a, yeah. than worship leader cheats on his wife regularly. Yeah, those are two different things. <laughs> totally. Yeah. One is a moment. One is a lifestyle, as we've discussed before. It's, it's interesting. We see this with pastors, too. I think a lot of times... We have really talented communicators. And this is something that I try to be aware of as well. Like we have really talented communicators and then we go naturally, they're a born leader and pastor because they communicate well. And then it's, man, have we placed the talent above the character and then pastors fall. And then we're like, man, they were so gifted though. (laughs) So we do this with worship too. One thing that came to mind for me, I worked with a worship pastor and just incredible talent, man. 
I can't tell you how intentional, how much he really, he just wanted everything to go so well. And he was a little in over his head at times, but he always had, he always just was just trying. And me and him sit down one day and I'm like, what's your biggest struggle? And I'm thinking like at work, what's your biggest struggle? And he's, yeah, I'm, I'm battling a porn addiction right now. And I'm like, oh, okay. Have you told anybody about that? And he's like, no, you're the only one. And I'm like, so you might need to tell our boss <laughs> that you're going through that because I don't know if you're aware of this, but you're standing in front of people on Sundays and leading them to the throne. And you need to be okay. <laughs> I'm not saying you have to be perfect, but our responsibility as the church at that point is to make sure he's okay. And I just found it fascinating that that was going on for who knows how long. It continued to go on. And even though that was communicated, there weren't like clear steps of trying to help him get better personally. It was more of just like checking in. And being like, hey, how you doing with that? You know what you have the ability to do when your boss who's paying you goes, how you doing with that? Lie. <laughs> You've been covering it up before. Why can't you cover it up again? So there's moments like that where I'm like, man, this was a clear decision to just not put a lot of effort towards trying to help this young man who needed help and not only needed help personally, but this is a big thing that needs to get solved before marriage or anything else. But he's saying really well. So how much like accountability do we really want to place around him? So that was a sad moment for me because I'm like, the answer should be like everything we can do and he should probably take a break and we should probably put him in some counseling and we should probably surround him with some people that have beat this and been through this before. And it like none of that stuff happened. So yeah, I think there's a lot of times that talent goes above character to me, it, it just takes a really good leader to change that. I just think it takes a leader that doesn't get caught up in how many people we have on a Sunday morning, that doesn't get caught up in wanting to be or sound like Elevation. Listen, I love Elevation. I love their music. I love their worship. I listen to it on the way here. I can't get enough of it. But every church is trying to be that. And you're budgeting $100 million a year, bro. You can't be that. You don't need to be on YouTube. You don't need to be touring. You just need to be you and you need to be biblical and you need to figure out the calling that God's given you. So character's got to go over talent and then you just trust that God's going to bring you the right people. You think I'm in line there? I think so. I was remembering and looking up a story online. I remember in 2009, I looked it up. You remember that worship pastor that 2008, the worship guy that basically had a porn addiction and ended up basically faking cancer. No, I have never heard this. Can you please tell me about this? Yeah, it's a New York poor story. Actually, it was not very old because I guess he's back in the news again because that's something to do with Hillsong. Oh, geez. But anyways, the guy at the time, uh, he was struggling with a porn addiction, but he didn't talk about his porn addiction. And he said, as a result of my secret life of sin, this is a quote, my body would often break down. So this is him back in like 2009. Wow. And he reported the cause of his symptoms and he basically just 
started weaving this crazy web of lies that turned into turns out I got cancer and now he's leading from stage. He's got, <sighs> he's telling people he's got cancer, which I guess if you consider sin to be a cancer, he had cancer. That's was, quite the stretch. How he was just, that's, quite, his, <laughs> like, that's quite the stretch, but wow. What a testimony from stage, right? I bet that made some moments. Yeah, I mean, there's video oh, of yeah. these moments, and it turns out, no, he just had a porn addiction. Oh, my Lord. But I was thinking while you were saying it, the answer to this is not don't tell anybody, because addictions of all kinds are things that grow in secret, and getting them out yeah. is important. Very important. Especially when you're talking about an organization that should be known for forgiveness and helping people build yes. stuff back up. And yes. like you said, I think it's important to say like you should be surrounded by people that have beat this. This is a beatable thing. Yep. And not pretending like it's not there because we might get in trouble because we're not supposed to look at porn because we're in leadership. It's yeah. a, that's the pitfall that I think many have fallen into there. That's good. I can't believe that guy did that. Yeah. I remember it coming out at the time being <sighs> like, yikes. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and look at some of that stuff. <laughs> Man. That's really, that's something. They started like a whole sponsorship campaign for <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh no. He was the pastor's kid. Oh no, he was not. Yeah. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Joe. <laughs> a whole nother he documentary. He was the pastor's kid? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> he's back in the news because he started a charity. No, he did not. Yeah. You, just, you can't keep going. This is <laughs> unbelievable. I don't think there's any like gotcha about starting a charity. It just happens to be this guy has now started a charity. <laughs> what? I have to laugh because this is just unbelievable. <laughs> so this is the New York Post here in 2008, shortly after... The newspaper revealed the guy, his name is very hard to pronounce, had spun a years-long web of health-related lies and was not actually dying. The now-disgraced pastor released a blunt statement explaining a situation that while he did not have cancer, hard-to-pronounce name admitted, he was really unwell from the physical manifestation of the deep guilt he felt for his debilitating smut addiction. (laughs) Cool. This is a great example of like why you shouldn't hide sin. Yeah, going oh on my in your gosh, life. Just tell imagine the, the the way that this spiraled is like biblical. <laughs> like it's Yo, like, gosh, yes. Like here it is. Oh my goodness. Okay, I'm gonna go to the next <laughs> one of these other questions <laughs> that falls in line with this. But what are we doing as a church that we've made it? I would rather have cancer than tell you that I have a porn addiction. I have no idea. <laughs> Okay, he's the pastor's son. What are we doing as a dad? Yeah. What are we doing as a church? Sure. What are we doing as a dad? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's not right to laugh, but No, I have humorous. no other I have no other response. The only other response I can do right now with that story is I don't know, rip that door off the hinges and throw it somewhere. Like I don't I'm like lost hearing all that. I can't believe, like, I can't even, here's the thing. I can believe that's what's so scary. That doesn't surprise me, but man, I cannot believe. You might know the guy. He was a featured singer. He wrote that song, Healer. He wrote Healer? Yeah. Wow. 
That's just, wow. And did he write Healer? He wrote Healer after all this? He would have had to. Don't know. I would Timeline wise, right? Didn't Healer come out like post 2008? Uh, I'm reading. I don't know the answer to that. Interesting. Wow. That's just, um, so <laughs> have churches placed talent over character and worship? We're going to, we're going to go with a yes. And again, we're not saying that everybody does this. It's a complex issue. All of these questions are going to be complex issues. That's why we're talking about them. If it was a simple yes or no, and we could walk away from it, it wouldn't be good radio. We have, we shouldn't. Right. We wish we had a better plan to totally happen. Totally. And this is why it's still happening. This is why humans are just, we suck sometimes. (laughs) And if you're listening, listen, if you're listening to this and you hear that story and you for a moment go, I'm not capable of that. Guess what? Yeah, you are. Like, yeah, you are. Like, you're, we are so capable of just doing whatever we need to do for survival. And so, honestly, I have extreme empathy for the guy being in that position. I wish he had a place to go. I wish he had a safe place. But he, think about it. He probably felt like he couldn't tell anybody. And then his dad's the pastor. Yeah. Like, I can't. Oh, I can't imagine. So, it's a terrible place for him to be. But at the same time, like, what a just baffling story yeah it's really easy in any situation to be like in hindsight but i think it's important lesson wise to learn like all right at the beginning of this it would have been so much easier to just say hey man i looked at some porn and i don't want to keep doing this help me i think i need to talk to somebody about this yeah and listen hey if you're hearing this today would you just do me a favor if you're struggling with something Tell someone, tell someone you trust, tell someone that you feel like you can tell anything to. And I'll tell you this too. If you don't have someone, if you don't have someone and you would like to speak to someone that is just going to hear you and not judge you and not tell anybody your business. If you're just like, if you just need to get it out there, Message me. Message the show. Go to our social media pages and just send a direct message. All that stuff goes directly to me. I just don't want you to not tell someone. You, golly, listen to that story. It's going to be found out. It's going to spiral out of control. It's only going to get worse. Just take care of it. Man, what a... That's just unbelievable. Speaking of accountability, one of the questions that someone asked is, how do you hold yourself accountable as the leader of a church? So for those, I don't talk about it a whole lot because it's a separate thing, but for those that, that don't know, I'm currently a lead pastor at a church. And this person that wrote this knows that and is basically asking, so you talk a lot about accountability on the show. You talk a lot about your experience with leaders that haven't had that. How do you hold yourself accountable as the leader of the church? And here's what I'll answer. I'll just tell you exactly what I do. I, I might be, this might be overkill. I don't know but I'd rather be on the side of overkill than what we just read about. The first thing I do is when it comes to my phone, I have basically a child's phone. So I can't, like I have all the child safety stuff on my phone. So I can't access YouTube. I can access YouTube kids so I can watch Blippy, which is cool. (laughs) What's a Blippy? (laughs) My kids are older now. (laughs) Blippy's this guy who goes into, he wears suspenders, blue and orange. And he goes into these like trampoline parks and like tractor places and all this stuff and talks with a really high voice and basically just like 
talks to your kids about very obvious things that he's seen, <laughs> right? Like he'll go into a ball pit and be like, wow, these balls are red, white, and blue. Okay. And like that kind of thing. I regret asking so, about blue. Yeah, there it is. So <laughs> that's my best blippy impression. <laughs> things you didn't think things you were going to do. Things you didn't think you would do on a podcast, take two. So that's blippy. And I can watch like my daughter watches Elsie and Anya videos, which are just like whatever. Anyways, frozen stuff. But yeah, I can't pull up YouTube. If I were to search anything, obviously that I shouldn't be searching that would, number one, be blocked, but then on top of that, it can be flagged on our Verizon account that I share with my wife. Definitely don't want to do that. Same deal with, like, computer. Like, I have a church computer, and it's got all that stuff on there as well. I also have an elder board, leadership board, that holds me accountable. We, they meet every Monday. I meet with them biweekly, and we hold each other accountable through the week. They pray for me, but they also are asking how I'm doing. And they're also like looking for things, not like negatives, but they're just like aware of my behaviors. So then on top of that, I have two people in my life personally. One of them is like a wise counsel guy. So he's the kind of guy that I feel like I can ask any question to and I can get some great things from an experience standpoint and I can get some great things from a biblical scripture standpoint. And then I have another guy that is a pastor and I tell him everything like everything. He is, he is that guy for me. He is the guy that I'll just call and be like, I got to say something for five minutes and he'll be like, go. And I just launch. And sometimes that's, I'm ticked off at this. Sometimes it's praises. Sometimes it's good things. Sometimes it's prayer requests. And sometimes it's dude, uh, like I'm thinking like this morning and I don't want to be thinking like that. And I need to get out of that habit. Help me build some accountability around that. Help me build like a better habit of how I don't wake up on Monday mornings thinking like something negative or something bad or something I know shouldn't be going through my mind. So all of those are in place. Now, could that be overkill? It could be, but I'll piggyback on the other question that I got asked, which is what's your greatest fear or the one thing you worry about? And I'll tell you what it is. It's having a podcast called, hope after hurt and then going out and hurting someone. Yeah. I like, I I wouldn't say that I worry about it. Like from an anxiety standpoint, I'm just very aware of it and I get, it's going to happen. I know that at some point I'm going to be in a meeting with someone or I'm going to be on stage or I'm going to say, I'm going to say something I didn't think through and hurt someone's feelings. What I feel like that can be repaired. What I don't want to do is I don't want to have a story that sounds like any of these stories that I've shared with you and shared with our listeners when it comes to being hurt in ministry. I think personal accountability is one of those rare things in the human condition that we're all very excited that other people have. Oh, but we feel like somehow it doesn't apply to us. Sure. Because I'm not doing things that bad. Yes. I'm not faking cancer. Totally. I'm not even capable of that. So why should I care what's going on? And I think that I remember in early years, like probably like early, I mean, probably like late teenage years. I don't remember exactly where I heard it. It was a sermon and it was based on a song that was popular at the time, which is- Is it written by- It is for freedom. You said us free. Was it called Healing? Remember that song? It is for freedom. You said us free. 
No, that I can't sing. Well, we get, we can't just gloss Hold on, over I'm that. Gonna look it up. It is for freedom that you set us free. Oh. He's quoting the scripture. I thought you were saying who the sun sets free is free indeed. What are we doing, Lil? I am free. Planet shakers. No, this is way older than that. This is like a guy in an acoustic guitar in the like. 90s. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. The only thing I listened to in the 90s was DC Talk and Stephen Curtis Chapman. That was the only thing that was out in the 90s. No, you still had like Jars of Clay and Michael W. Smith, right? Remember Jars of Clay? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So, anyways, it was that song and it was wrapped in a sermon and it just, it was like a light bulb moment. Nothing profound, but it's like the time I first understood it. Yeah. It's like freedom is actually the ability to lay down your freedom. Yes. And be okay with that. There it is. And I think that's accountability in a nutshell. Because yep. I think people are like, why in the heck would I want to put any kind of watch or thing and restrict and blah, 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 because I'm a grown-up. You hear that a lot. I'm uh-huh. a grown-up, dang it. I should get treated like a grown-up. And uh, But the reality is what we can choose to do with our freedom that is very honoring is to give it up. Yep. That's a great said, great way to put it. Yeah, if you can't hand your phone to someone because... Like you don't know what text will come through or message will come through or where they'll scroll. If you can't do that, if you can't give someone, especially if it's your spouse, if you can't give them your phone for an entire day and just be okay with that, you might want to talk to somebody. That's a warning flag. That's a big flag <laughs> right there is what that is. Speaking and of weird phone stuff, I left yeah. mine at home this morning. Oh, how's you that feel? You ever just feel so naked? Yeah. <laughs> it's like I went, I was trying to look up something and it's like, I got to use a computer. How many times have you looked for it? Just twice. Just so twice? I just realized it was gone. But When know, I don't have my phone with me, I get phantom, those little phantom vibrations. Phantom those phantom buzzes. And so I'll get a phantom buzz in my pocket when my phone's not yeah. even in my pocket. This is That's not really stuff. what we're talking about. But it's so crazy to think 20 years ago, this thing didn't exist. And now virtually every American is completely addicted 100%. to this glowing square. 100%. What was the, there's like a stat, you should look it up. There's a stat of like how, the average of how many times you touch your phone a day. And somebody asked me one time, like, how many times do you think you touch your phone a day? I was like, I don't know, like 43. It's it's 2000 or something. Like, it's insane. Like, we just wake it up and be like, still there? Yeah. Oh, hey, buddy. <laughs> I just want to see if you're doing okay. Have you ever done the thing where it's on the table face up and there's a glare and you're like, wait, was it, was it on? And you tap it just to go, oh, yeah, I didn't get a text message. <laughs> That's my favorite. So in 2016, the number was 5,200. <laughs> And that might be light for, like, my daughters. Oh, Lord. There is nothing faster than a child on a phone declining a call. (laughs) There is nothing. My daughter will be watching a video on YouTube, kids. I will get a call, and she will swipe up faster than anything I've ever seen. I'll be like, who was that? I can't read. I don't know, Dad. So it's funny. So we touch our phone thousands of times a day. And in 2016 common sense media study, 50% of us feel like we're addicted to it. Yeah, I'm addicted. But I think it's funny that yeah. the number is thousands that we touch it a day. And half of us are like, I'm not addicted right. to it. Though. I can go without my phone any day of the week. It's like, really? When's I, the last time you what? did that? I do something thousands of times a day. Doesn't mean I'm addicted to it. <laughs> What are you talking about? The only other thing well, you do thousands breathing. of times a day is breathing really, and yeah. probably thinking. Thinking, yeah. right? Well, I guess you weren't not addicted to those. So I guess, yeah. Yeah, I guess you kind of have to do them, though, yeah. to survive. I don't really have to play bingo like I do on my phone. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> now stay tuned for a short break. <laughs> TDF Furniture carries over 50 brands at prices 60 to 95% off suggested retail. From outdoor sets to dining room tables and recliners, they have it all. See something you like? Load up a truck and take it home the same day or schedule for delivery. Special financing options are also available. Quit overpaying and visit one of TDF Furniture's five locations. Learn more at tdffurniture.com. We're back. We're still doing our Q&A, and we have one more question to go. Are you ready for this one, Joe? Probably not. Okay, cool. Me either, but also I'm, I'm really excited to do the discussion because I think this is a, I mean, I got this question more than any other question that was submitted. It wasn't even close, honestly. There was some kind of form of this question, and I think a healthy discussion is good. So here's the question. You ready? Is homosexuality a sin? That's so the question. That's the question. Is homosexuality a sin? You want to answer with me on three? No, Let's I'm just see what happens. You ready? Because <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. Here we go. One, two, three. Yes. yes. All right. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. No. Okay. Let's unpack it. Let's unpack it. Yeah. I think the question is meant to invoke an answer that makes it feel like somebody is dated, insensitive, or bigoted. When the reality is that you're just asking a factual statement. Totally. Does the Bible say that homosexuality is a sin? And the answer is yes. Yes, it does. It also says gossip's a sin. Absolutely. Lust is a sin. Adultery is a sin. Murder is a sin. Yep. And, and even and calling your brother a fool. Is even like calling your brother a murder. fool. There you go. So we have to have a clear understanding here because if you're not careful, you'll just hear, oh, you think it's a sin and screw you. And that's, that's not at all what we're saying. Yeah. We're, you asked a factual question. There's a factual answer. Now, now, here's the other side of that, though. In Romans, it explains that we all fall short of the glory of God. So we're all on the same level. And there's beauty in that because what that means is homosexuality is sin. Yes, but all those other things I listed are also sins. And what that means is it's not our job to condemn someone, but it's our job to try and love them and understand them. It's our job to have a conversation with them. And then it's our job to help people learn to invite Christ into their situation because at the end of the day, we've all fallen short. None of us are better than anyone else. We all have our experiences and we all have our sins. Don't be one of those people that only gives grace to people who sin like you do. Like, don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. Yeah. That's a myth that there's like acceptable sins and there's oh, like yeah. levels of sins. The thing is, is that sin separates us from God. Correct. And it doesn't, the level of it is a thing that we put on each other. It is. Human. It's comparison. It's compare. I'm so glad. And there's a biblical story about this where the, the Pharisee's praying and he's beating his chest and he's like, I'm so glad I'm not like that loser over there next right. to me. And Jesus was like, hey, don't be like that. Yeah, don't do that, dude. Because you got your own stuff and your own stuff separates you just like anything else. And I think you say it a lot, like we suck. And I think you're joking, but at the same time, I think it's a bit of a theme of this particular podcast, which is like this idea of holier than thou. Some people are better. Some people have it figured out. Other people don't. That's not really biblical. No, not at all. It's not really a good way to live. Right. It's not, it's certainly not a good way to make friends. 
or treat well, no, because you can't have what <laughs> it keeps you from having understanding or empathy for anyone. Right. And it's also fuel for your blind spots. Let's okay. At least I'm not right. At least I'm not faking cancer and writing a song <laughs> about it. Gosh, we're gonna go back to that. <laughs> I just you're right. You'll start justifying your own behavior because in your mind you've made it better right. than someone else's. And that's a dangerous place to live. And but I think the question when people ask it in today's day and age, in today's and we're sitting here in Pride Month, is is more so like, how dare you not accept gay people? And that's a totally different question. Yeah. Because is homosexuality a sin? And do you accept gay people? So another that's way totally to say different. it would be like, how dare you accept gossipers in your church? There you go. And every church would be like, yeah, we got them. Totally. Uh, yeah, they're here. They're on platform. I hear from them weekly. <laughs> <laughs> I hear from them weekly. Pastors do it from the stage inadvertently. <laughs> yeah, totally. But I think that that doesn't mean that a church would be anti-gossipers. Correct. It's really anything that you put an er on the end. Right. It's, yeah, those are the people that church is for. And what a when beautiful- we lie, we're liars. When we cheat, we're cheaters. Totally. When we, we're not exempt from the stuff because we, and I think this is important for people to hear, if you work at a church, like- there's, this is a sad reality, but I'm going to say it and let me know if you disagree with this. Okay, go for it. Today's Christians yeah. act effectively no different than unsaved people. Yeah, I don't think that I would disagree with that. We certainly try to dress the same. <laughs> <laughs> you can't spot them. You can't spot them. <laughs> They're wearing sweatshirts and ripped jeans, <laughs> just like everybody else. Now, if you see a 45-year-old wearing sweatshirt and ripped jeans, that guy works at a church. That's Possibly why, in youth ministry. I think that's why <laughs> when we refer to people who are who attend to a church, we refer to them as saved, not better. Correct. <laughs> you know, yeah. No, like, not oh, better at all. It's nothing, no connotation of you have crap figured out. Right. No. You don't. No, we just try to help other people figure out crap. That's it. Which feels, rightly feels funny to other people. Oh, it's it's, oh you don't have your crap figured out and you're trying to help me figure so it out. So that's got to shift in church culture though. We have to be able to help people see that and understand it. I'm not saying help people. I'm not saying pastors need to go on stage and be like, hey, let me list out all the things that I did this week. That, no, I'm not saying that, but you do need to let people know you're human. Yeah. Let them know you're human, man. And hopefully through this podcast, that's what we've been able to do. Like, we're very human. Like, we, we make mistakes. And I'll say this. What I love so much about the church is that it's the only community that comes together and acknowledges that we're all in process. Yeah. We're all on a journey. Like Let's a keep going with the center. analogy, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're all on the journey. We're all maybe at different steps, but ultimately there's a common goal and yeah. we all fall short of it, but we're trying our best. To be a part of the service. Hi, I'm Joe and I'm a sinner. Totally. Hi, I'm Drew. <laughs> this is what I'm battling with this week. I'm currently on step three, which is forgiving everyone. But getting forgiving back to, those that I've getting heard. back to the that I think that tricky loaded way of phrasing this question sure. because I think tricky is the wrong word. I think it's earnest and I think people are looking for understanding. And I think this issue is critically important to people who know homosexuals, are homosexual, Correct. love homosexual people totally. in their lives. That this idea of, all right, so is the church anti-gay? Is my church anti-gay? 
would they feel loved here? Would they feel welcomed? Would they feel accepted? This issue, I think, is a big thing of whether people choose to go to church at all, how they pick a church. Totally. And I think collectively, as as the church in North America, we haven't done a great job tackling the difference between the fact that the Bible says that homosexuality is a sin and the fact that our friends, neighbors, loved ones, kids are gay. Correct. And we love them just the same. Totally. As we love the jack wagon two pews down that gossips. Totally. <laughs> In fact, Maybe a little more. more. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little more. So back to the idea of acceptance. I think right. when people hear, well, if it was accepted, then it would be, I don't know, celebrated. Okay. So let me go there. Cause, cause you're right. So someone being accept, uh, accepted and their lifestyle being accepted are two different things. Okay. So let me paint you a picture. If I have someone in my congregation who I know is cheating on his wife, yeah. do I accept them? Absolutely. Do I love them? Absolutely. Do I have empathy and grace for them? Absolutely. Do I never, ever address the fact that he's cheating on his wife? No. No. We have to talk about it. We have to. Not from a place of condemnation. Yeah. Not from a place of, I'm better than you because I don't cheat on my... No, I'm not, I'm not saying that. But it has to be addressed because, like we said, the, the, the quote from Robert Madu, grace without truth is meaningless. Truth without grace is mean. Grace and truth together is medicine. But here's the deal with that. We have to encourage people to invite Christ in on their situation. Yeah. And what happens so many times is we get labeled. These churches accept gay people. These churches don't. These churches are fine if you're a homosexual. These churches don't. And that's not, that, that's not what can happen. Yeah. Here's what if I'll tell you. If you're hearing this and this is really upsetting, you might be just a, a gentle reminder. Remove your political views out of this yeah, equation. Yeah, oh my gosh. For a second. And Listen, <laughs> if, if you're at that place, you might need to find a different podcast. Because I'm just letting you know. But it I ain't going to get easier for you. They're easy to, the, those type of things can be easy to wrap around things that aren't about those yeah, things. Yeah, and that's not what this, right, that's not what this is about. And I've said this before to many people, and I believe that it is very true. I've experienced it in my own life. It's very easy to philosophically think about something until it's happened to you. There's a, mm-hmm. this isn't a biblical truth, but it's a parable. I think Socrates, a man with the experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. The idea is that once something has actually happened to you, the theoretical stuff surrounding it becomes very kind of esoteric in a cell. Oh, that's not really that important. And I think what happens with, and what has happened with stuff that I think is just vile stuff that has happened in our country's history, which is the treatment of people that are different. So you talk about civil rights issues. You talk about how black people have been treated in America. You talk about how gay people have been treated by, honestly, the religious right. Yeah, everything becomes Um, polarizing. Everything becomes very polarizing. Now, if you knew somebody, and it wasn't about a theory, it wasn't about whether or not this is okay, it's about just put a name there. Correct. It starts to get a little bit more clear. Personal what, is powerful. What empathy looks like. What understanding looks like. Yep. What 
bigotry looks like. Cause you're yep. like, wait, that's not them. Like all this crazy stuff that people think about this. That's right. That's not them. Totally. That's more just fear and rhetoric and cray cray. My wife said I should never say that because I'm too old and I just said it on a podcast. You I'm leaving cray, it in. Cray. I don't think I can, but I'm leaving uh, it in because, hey, we suck. We say things. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're exactly right, though. That's what this has turned into. There's this great quote by Carl Lentz, of all people. Right? Yeah. Carl Lentz. Uh, he, this is how he responded one time when asked, is, he said, is homosexuality a sin? And now I will say this. I don't believe that this was the correct response on national television on Good Morning America. I think he should have been bold and said what he needed to say, but I think it's a great follow-up. His response was, my job is to love everyone. And then after that, it requires a conversation. And I'll tell you this, I've used that quote. It's a phenomenal quote. And it's a phenomenal perspective. Yeah. Our job as Christians is to love everyone. That's it. There's no caveat. There's no if they, no, there's no, but only if, no, 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 love everyone. And then I think it requires a conversation because everybody has a different experience. Everybody has a different upbringing. Everybody has different opinions. You don't even know what they've been subjected to. You don't know what they've seen. You don't want know what they know or their lack of knowledge. You have no idea. So it requires a conversation. So if we're just going to be blunt, is homosexuality a sin? Which I'll tell you this, I am so, so, so sick of religious leaders getting on these big TV spots and going, well, you know, I, it's a complex, a complicated question. We would never do that for any other sin. We wouldn't do it for any other sin. We wouldn't. But because culture has told us that this is so polarizing and this can hurt so many people's feelings, we don't speak truth. And listen, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm really not. I'm, I'm not trying to be that guy that I'm not trying to tell you there's no hope. There's hope. All I'm saying is, if you're asking the question, is homosexuality a sin? The answer is yes. There is no other answer. I think part of the challenge that, that makes this issue over other sins, because we keep comparing it to gossip, for example. Sure. I've gossiped, so that makes me a gossiper. Sure. I'm not trying to gossip right now. Don't want to gossip later today. Wouldn't be surprised if it happened. Would totally. Repent. But I don't identify myself as a gossiper. It's not my identity in my mind. Sure. And I think for a lot of, I think it would be wise for us to understand that is the way a lot of people understand their sexuality. Yep. Is their identity. Sure. This is who I am. Mm -hmm. And so in that case, it's trivial to be like, compare it to gossip because it's not the same as saying, I don't think of myself as a gossiper. There's no gossiping like a parade where we're like, guys, we did it. We gossiped. It's okay. You gossip. We I could gossip. have the first one. Nobody would come. <laughs> Nobody would come. <laughs> they, would, they would talk crap about it. They would it. talk crap about it. And therefore we would <laughs> but you see what kind I mean? of do what we need to do. What I'm saying is the analogy breaks. I hear you. There because for many, at least the way the conversation is framed by many, is that this is not a choice. This is a, this is a way that I am. Totally. In that, that can be applied to what the Bible calls our sin nature, I feel. Well, and that can be like an apples to apples kind of thing. Yes. So we were born into it. Sin nature. And there, listen, there are, I used to hang out with somebody whose dad was an alcoholic and their granddad was an alcoholic. And guess what they turned into? 
an alcoholic. So listen, and I'm not going to get into the whole discussion of do you believe that you're born this way? I think what's important to empathy is like understanding what people believe about what people that. believe about here's it. what you think correct because you don't know there's no a, way to prove it if me and drew we're not gay men so who gives a crap <laughs> what we feel right about but here's where i think we've got to get to there's a side where i say what we don't want to do is limit god mm-hmm. and we don't want to limit the ability for him to use a testimony so i have a friend of mine he's gay and he used to lead worship at a church Okay. And he fights like that's how it's his verbiage. He like fights against this daily. He believes he was born this way. He believes that he will always be this way, but he prays, has a relationship with Christ, and he doesn't give in to it. Now, here's what I know that takes a really strong human being. Yeah. I mean, it does. And when I look at me, I'm like, I don't know if I'd have the discipline. I don't know if I'd be able to do that. But what I know is the testimony that's been to other people in his scenario, the testimony that's even been to me that's not in his scenario has been incredible. So again, we love everyone. Then it requires a conversation because I think everybody's different. But again, though, to normalize, that is the story of every Christian. It's the story of every Christian. We- yes have a sin nature. Yes. We have a propensity to sin. We have a propensity to choose it. It's not like we trip and fall into sin. Come on. Like we, we choose to do the sins. Yeah. And if you have a relationship with Christ and the spirit is living in you, you get a nudge. Don't even play that game. It's wrong. Yeah. Or it's dumb. Like afterwards you're like, yup, said that, did Uh that. That was stupid. Yeah. So to pretend that it's a unique experience for somebody who has a particular flavor of sin. There you go. I am very empathetic in aware that I don't understand that. In me saying, would be like me saying something stupid and trite at a funeral, like, they're in a better place. It's okay. Yeah, but they're can, not here. Can you shut up? Yeah. Like, not, today's not the day helpful. for that. And I feel like that's the way... All of the stuff that we're saying is not gay people could totally come across is very trite, like funeral advice. Well, yeah. <laughs> Listen, but that's the best we've got. It's all we've got. Uh, that's that you asked the question and that's the best we've got because no, we don't have experience in it. But here's what I can encourage you with. That at least we're aware enough to say that. Yeah. And at least we're willing enough to talk about it. Like I, there is nothing on the table that I will not sit down across from you and say, sit at my table and let's have a chat. There's nothing out there. There's nothing on the table that you could put up there. That's going to intimidate me. That's going to make me run. None of that. I want to help. I want to understand. I want to have empathy, but here's what I'll tell you. And this is across the board. We talked about this when we had our topic on abortion. We've talked about this with race. We've talked about this with a lot of different sins and a lot of different situations. Here's what I'd say. My overarching goal is just that whatever you're going through, whatever it is, and however you view it, that you would invite Christ into it. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I know that Christ can help a lot more than I can. And so I'll do my best and I'll try to talk about it on a, episode of a podcast but at the end of the day whatever you're struggling with 
or whatever you think is going fine, but you'd like some clarity on. Invite God into it. And what I believe is through his sovereignty, through his grace, through his relationship, he will reveal to you truth. He will reveal to you peace and he will guide you as you move forward in your journey. Joe, here's the big question, right? What can we learn from this? Yeah, I'm glad you said that because like these are sometimes like truths feel heavy, right? Like they drop on the table and and you're like, oh, okay. Now what? Now what? Yeah. So we got about 5.6% of the U.S. population that identify as LGBTQ+. And church is meant to be for 100% of people. That's one in 20. There you go. And a lot of churches have just chosen not to talk about it at all, which is unfortunately from a perspective standpoint, if that's you as a church, it's a way of saying, I don't acknowledge that you exist. And that's you're, you're falling into the same <laughs> cycle that we did 20 years prior. What we knew existed 20 years ago, actually, let's go back 30 years ago. 30 years ago, we knew that we knew that alcohol existed and we knew that porn existed. And then the internet hit in 2000, like a little early 2000s, but 2005 was big. And then you know what we knew existed? Phones and access to porn, like free access. And then you know what we've known exist? Homosexuality. Like we know. Yeah. And you know what we never talk about? All of those things. It makes people assume that the church's position is that those are things that we don't talk about, which if you are a LGBTQ plus person, to be acknowledged as an organization as somebody that you don't talk about is incredibly hurtful. Absolutely. And dismissive. Absolutely. And not cool. Agreed. There's all kinds of questions surrounding this. Should your church be gay friendly? What's your church? How should we react? When gay people are there. So what are some lessons there for churches knowing that one out of 20 of the people in our community are there? The first thing you said about talking about it, like we have to be, we have to be bold enough to say something. We have to be bold enough to talk about it. But in that, I think a lot of the reason we struggle finding the words is because we haven't struggled enough finding the words. Can we let that be like the title of the episode? That was really good. Because I think that's the kind of stuff you work out in conversation. Yes. That's, that's really good. We need to be able to speak about it, but at the same time have an awareness that we don't have all the answers and that our job is to be curious. Our job is to understand. Our job is to have empathy. And then we need to be vulnerable enough to admit all of that. I want to thank everyone for listening to episode one of season two. Really excited to keep sharing episodes with you. In a couple of weeks, we've got an organizational psychologist joining us to talk about church staffs, to talk about culture. That's going to be an awesome episode. And in the meantime, keep saying yes to what God has next. Thanks for listening to Hope After Hurt. If you enjoyed this episode or found it useful, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and sharing it with a friend. Join the Yes Community on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Yes Community. On Instagram at yesco underscore community. TikTok at Drew's Barker. And for show notes, visit the website at yes.transistor.fm. 
This show is produced, edited, and engineered by Podcast Carrot. Thanks for listening.